Hi, this is Tris Asi, and welcome to another episode of Inside Trapeze. And today, I have the EAM crew back in the studio. Now, we have a, a new guest, Bill Boston, who is the technical sales engineer for EAM. And we have Satpal back. Satpal is now the product manager for EAM. And we have Brett, who is the industry solutions manager for EAM. Gentlemen, welcome Thanks. to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks, Tris. Thanks, Tris. We've talked a lot about EAM on this show. How that, you know, EAM is so essential to keeping your house in order. But it's not a one and done thing. Right. Right, Brett. It's not something you just do and you're done. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, enterprise asset management, you know, the E representing enterprise right? A system that touches so many asset divisions, so many roles and personas and workflows. Every agency, large and small, there's always areas for improvement. Yeah. Now, today, we're going to talk about, since it's beginning of the year, how to set yourself up for success with EAM. What does it take to really level up EAM for you? So we're going to talk about five ways we think agencies can really dig in and level up EAM. So the first one is setting your KPI goals for the year. The second one is getting your data house in order. This is Those two are really closely linked. Next, talking about workflows. There's some amazing workflows that EAM as a product can, can enable. And then we're going to talk about Sapal's favorite topic, TAM reports and SGR. And then we're going to talk about capital planning and grants because there's that asset part in management. Assets are, these are capital assets, whether they're the ones that move and the ones that don't, and they have to be managed. And that's especially important for grant writing. So let's start off with my personal favorite because we wrote an ebook on it, which is the KPIs. So everyone has them. And I'm going through my, we're all going through our yearly plans right now. We have our goals that we want to hit. But, you know, you've, how do you do it, Bill? You know, how do you set your good KPIs? And then what happens next once you set them? Sure, sure. Uh, it's it, That's an excellent qu- question, Tris. Um, you know, one of, the th- one of the things is understanding first and foremost, you know, what are the things that are meaningful to the agency? So uh, what are those targets that the agency wants to achieve on a given year? Um, those may vary from year to year. Um, you may have done really well in one particular area on a given year, but you find that um, you're lacking in performance in another area. So, you know, certainly having a clear picture of what those um, important targets are is, is first and foremost. But the the second thing is, uh, once you know what those pieces are, what those objectives you've got on any given year are, you want to make sure that the system is configured to properly capture the data that you're looking for. So, you know, you can have all kinds of of, of great targets, but unless you have the um, the actual data, the actual um, measurable, quantifiable data to say that you're actually meeting these targets, um, you can't really do a good job of adjusting processes, workflows, um, anything to make sure that you're getting there. So, you know, first and foremost, I'd say um, uh, making sure the system's configured properly. Um, with EAM, it's a fairly complex system in terms of its capabilities. So there's a lot of flexibility in terms of workflow configuration um, and capturing data. 
Um, part of that is setting up an appropriate coding structure. So, um, you know, it's, it's the way we categorize assets. It's the way we categorize tasks. And actually, task is a really good one that comes to mind. Um, tasks are the specific units of work that get performed against a, a given asset. And so you want to make sure that you've set up a coding structure that reflects the data you want to capture. Um, you don't want it to be too high level uh, so that you're not really capturing anything meaningful, but you don't want it so uh, uber granular that um, it becomes cumbersome and difficult to capture. So um, understanding that and making sure that you've, you've set up the right level of, of information to capture that information. Um, and then on top of that, the other piece is ensuring consistency. So you want to work with your team, you want to work with your staff to make sure that um, when data is entered, it's in, entered the same way um, every time. Um, if I'm working with three different technicians and each one is performing the same task, but they all enter how they've done it different ways, then again, you're not really going to have a good apples to apples comparison of the information that you've captured. And so the data won't be that meaningful. Um, this is the kind of thing, you know, often when we're doing a health check or um, an optimization, we might find um, exactly that kind of thing where there's inconsistencies in processes. Yeah, it's like it's like you pointed out, it's that consistency of data. If three people are put, it's like if three people are replacing brakes and they all put it in differently, you can't actually even know are brakes failing out, you know, before their warranty period. Are they failing, you know, all at a certain rate? If you can't search for that, I think what goes into that health check part of checking the data. Sure, that's also a, a really good question, and I think that's one of the things that can help with um, what we were just talking about ensuring consistency. So, um, you know, there there are a couple things that the health check really um, helps uh, helps address. One is, um, you know, we have customers, many customers who have been with us for a long time, and um, early on in the process when we're doing an implementation, there's a lot of configuration that goes in. There's a lot of decisions that are made about um, how we're going to code different things. Um, how processes are set up. And there's an implementation team, um, both with GPs and with the agency. And uh, there's a lot of knowledge that's um, uh, transferred to the agency at that time. Um, but over the years, there may be staffing changes. There may be a lot of things that happen at an agency. Maybe the processes uh, at the agency themselves uh, change. And the knowledge um isn't necessarily handed over um, properly or just over time, the reasons why certain decisions were made um, get lost. So, you know, one of the things is a health check can sort of reset um, everyone in an agency back to the beginning and say, okay, why were certain decisions made? Do we need to reevaluate certain coding standards? Are there processes uh, that need to be reevaluated, um, et cetera? Um, the other piece is that, you know, EAM has been evolving over the years. Every year we release a new major version. Um, every time there are new features, new functionality, um, new modules. Um, and so an agency may have taken full advantage of what the uh, what EAM was at the time of the original implementation, but today's EAM is quite a bit different. And so there may be um, simply modules that they're not aware of. Um, I was at an agency recently and um, two of our um, newer portals that they that they had access to, but just weren't aware of. They weren't using the the uh, super the work management portal, which um, is a more 
modern way, if you will, of doing uh, what was traditionally done in the supervisor portal. Um, and then we have an asset portal that actually launches a lot of key workflows um, in the system. And it's a good way of rolling up um, data across the organization across different asset categories. So um, yeah, and a, a health check and optimization can certainly um, help an agency really take much better advantage uh, of the investment they've made in the in the software and understand um, areas where um, new functionality has, has come up that they might uh, be interested in um, leveraging. Now, you mentioned workflows, and EAM has workflows. Satpal, how do these help agencies? Like, what kind of workflows can people set up, and how do they help agencies be more efficient? So the, the power of a system like EAM is how much data you can put into it to generate insights and how quickly and easily you can put that data in. Uh, if it's complicated to put in data, people aren't going to put it in to a good degree of accuracy, and then the insights you draw are not going to be correct. So when it comes to those workflows and reducing administrative tasks, we'll be looking at the users of EAM. So each one of those roles and have we set it up in a way that removes those administrative tasks as they continue to develop? So I can give you a few examples. And there's there's work on the EAM side that changes year over year. But then there's also work that has changed for the overall agency that they may want to consider. So for example, you might have a technician. And that technician is making some sort of measurement when they're doing a preventative maintenance inspection. And then they have to interpret the result of that measurement and decide, you know, is this still safe? Do I need to take this asset out of service? Do I need to do work on that asset? Now, in the AM, we have something called test results, which let you put in a measurement, and then the system is smart enough to know if that is in the appropriate threshold. And then that administrative burden is gone from the technician side. And that kind of workflow is fairly basic. It's something we see all the time. But now we're seeing technology on the asset side, which is enabling you to skip that step as well and automate it. So, for example, um, accessibility is becoming a more and more important topic, and agencies are measuring what's the uptime of my escalator and elevator to make sure that all sorts of people can access the services they provide. Uh, you might find now that those escalator and elevator systems are more advanced, and they can give you a measurement automatically, which will allow the technician to take that elevator out of service or make that repair. Last year, that technology may not have existed. This year, it does. So you want to constantly be reassessing your infrastructure to make sure you're, you're taking advantage of what's available now and have it fully implemented within your system. And they're easy, right? It's easy to set up these. I mean, easy, I mean, it's relative, but it's not, it's you, the amount of time you invest in setting up a workflow pays off dividends in people's actual productivity. That, that's exactly right. And that's the nature of the system. It's going to give you the data in the exact same way every single time. So it may seem like a large undertaking at the beginning because you're looking at this mountain of information and you need to know how to interpret to how to interpret it. But once you do that once and you put it into the system, you're done. And you no longer have to worry about that individual essentially manually doing that task every single time. Now, I'm going to keep you in the hot seat and talk about TAM and state of good repair, your favorite topic, Satpal. And workflows feed into this for the reports that people have to do. How, what can they do now to help make TAM and NTD reporting easier down, you know, in later in the year? Because as you said, this isn't something people do all the time mm -hmm. and they get rusty. So the data that you're going to need to submit when it comes to your you know, TAM transaction management reports, which 
were, were done last year, but is a repeating process. And then NTD, which is that annual report, um, that data won't be perfectly aligned with how you have your data set up in EAM from an asset management or maintenance management perspective. So when you do need to submit, you're going to have to put in a lot of manual effort to compile that data. And that exercise will involve a lot of assumptions. And those assumptions may reduce your confidence in the quality of the data and may lead to some decisions which are made without all of the proper information. So what you can start to do now is set up your system to support NTD reporting or TAM reporting out of the box so that when it is time to generate that data, you can spend less of your time, you know, joining various bits of data in Excel and trying to figure it out and more time generating insights out of that data so that you can submit uh, a true reflection of, of where you are as a transit agency. And have more confidence in those data. Exactly. You'll, you'll know that the data is correct. Uh, if you're putting it together from 10 different places, you're spending so much time making it go into one place that you, you may have stripped out some of the meaning behind that data. You get it all from one place in one system, and you know that all of your staff have been working throughout the year in that same system. Everyone is marching in the same direction. You're confident in what you're submitting. Yeah. And if you need to drill down, you can. It's all, it's a, you, you have a single source of truth. This is the way, like, this is the data. This is how it goes. Now, I think all of these things build into, especially in the current climate, everyone is investing in their infrastructure, in their agencies. And a lot of those are competitive grants. So, Brent, how is EAM filling, helping agencies with grant writing and capital planning, especially? Because that's those two seem to go hand in hand. How does EAM fit that bill? Yeah, I mean, to build upon what Sapal was just saying related to the TM reporting as well, all of this collectively, whether it's the reporting exercise to government agencies or whether it's the capital planning, you know, we wrap in a bow, you know, in North America and in the U.S. in particular around the subject of state of good repair, right? That there was this massive legislation that was passed that requires agencies to collect additional data related to not only all of the capital assets that they own, uh, but what their conditions are. So first you need to know what you have because transit agencies are so infrastructure intensive, believe it or not, sometimes they, they actually lose track of kind of what they own. So the first thing is to have that secondarily to understand the conditions of those assets, which feeds into what Sop Paul was saying, they're related to the TAM reports. And then typically the third step in that process gets to your question, Tris, around Okay, now that we know the poorest performing assets, the assets that are getting closest to the end of their useful life based upon their condition scoring, let's use that actual data out of our enterprise asset management system to do a smarter job of identifying what our true capital needs are. That's what these capital projects are, these candidate capital projects that EAM can track in our database. And then that allows agencies across the various divisions, right? Across bus, across rail, across facilities, across maintenance of way and track to make the tough decisions that they have to do every year around, hey, should we fund the replacement of that old bridge? Or should we fund uh, the new fleet of paratransit vans? Because guess what? We don't have the money to do both. So we have to make a tough decision as an agency about where to spend our money. That really is the spirit of state of good repair is agencies using a data-driven approach 
to funnel the money that they do have towards the most critical uh, capital replacements of, of the assets that they need to most this year versus next year. And be able to communicate that, right? And be able to communicate that yeah, to the federal agencies, to, their, to the public, so that the public knows that they're a careful steward of you know, the, the money that they have been entrusted with. And the grants ties in to these capital projects. So, and this exercise that we talked about, which is agencies get granted certain amounts of money towards certain priorities and certain initiatives. And all of that can be linked back to these specific priorities and projects that EM is capable of managing in our state of good repair capital planning module. That's fantastic. I mean, this is what I'm hearing over and over and over again from you three is like, it's, you have to have good data to be able to make good decisions. And if you use EAM to its fullest, you will have that. You will be able to have good data that you can work with, that you can communicate to all levels inside and outside of your agency of what the priorities are and where you're at. To wrap up, what are some other tips that people can do this year to get more out of EAM? Maybe I'll just start, Tris, since I was uh, just kind of thinking about this. But I, what I love about this exercise of getting, you know, preparing for success for the new year is that KPIs done well at any organization, but certainly at a transit agency, are different at different levels, right? You've got high-level key performance indicators, you know, the common ones that we think of, you know, mean distance or mean time between failure or, you know, on-time performance. That's at the highest level. But you also can have KPIs at the lowest level where the rubber really meets the road within a maintenance environment. You can have individual key performance indicators for part staff. For example, the number of stockouts, the number of times that we don't have a part available on hand that we need. And the beauty of all of this is that speaks to the power of EAM so well. EAM is that critical system of record that not only is used by people on the shop floor to do their daily workflows and transactions, but the data that's being captured, hopefully high quality, is what senior level management depends upon to feed those higher level KPIs. Fantastic. That Yeah, that from, from the shop floor to the C-suite, it seems that there's there's data that everyone needs from EAM. Satpal, Bill? Yeah, I'll uh, add on to Brett's example a little bit. It's it's important to understand, especially as a new year comes, what the organizational goals and metrics are for this year. So if your goal is to you know improve mean distance between failures, let's make sure that EAM is set up to report that data correctly. Perhaps what was originally coded as a failure has changed now as the type of assets have changed. Make sure all of that data is up to date so you can meaningfully measure progress throughout the year. Uh, same thing with that stockouts example. If that's a new metric that didn't previously exist, let's make sure it's configured to measure stockouts so that you're not going through you know, a wild goose chase at the end of the year to figure out what happened. You can be strategic that way. They, the, the only thing I was going to say, I mean, just kind of building on the other thing is just remember also that this is a, um, it, it can be an iterative process. So you don't have to do everything at once. Um, the, the, great thing about EAM is that it's easily configurable. And so um, you can always look at certain metrics, find out what is and isn't working, make changes, and then cycle back through. So it's, I guess, the way to think of it is everything that we're talking about is really kind of a big cycle. Um, You know, you make changes, you implement them, 
you see how that works, you see how the impact is on your agency, and then you assess what uh, impact that, uh, that that's had, what changes are necessary, and then you can um, go back into the next iteration, if you will. And Sapo, you had one more tip. My the last tip I wanted to share is um, that because your your staff is is constantly changing, their their the tips and tricks they have within EAM need to be refreshed as well. So it's important to you know go around uh, the shop floor and take inventory on what people's uh, pain points are. If you have a supervisor who is saying it takes them an hour at the start of every shift to create the work orders and assign the work. That's something we can address. There's likely an automation that can be put in place, and maybe that got lost over time. Uh, so make sure you're staying in touch with your users so that we can be making sure that they're following best practices. Even if it's something you've implemented before, it may need to be refreshed. Yeah, always keep keep tabs on EAM. It's a living, breathing, growing thing. And the more effort you put into it, the more you get out of it, the better it is. Well, Sao Paul, Brett, Bill, this has been great. Thanks very much for taking the time to chat on uh, Inside Trapeze. Thanks for having us. All right. Thanks for having us, Tris. Thanks, Tris.